This episode is sponsored by Auxilio Partners, managing the business of your church so you can focus on the ministry. Find out how at auxilio.partners slash five points. Erwin, we have a lot of listeners that are not in our denomination. And so this is a twofold question for those that are PCA pastors, church planners, seminary students, and those that are outside uh, our, our church family. What conversations that are ongoing in the PCA about planting are encouraging to you? And because you are the coordinator of MA and you travel in circles where you're meeting the leaders in terms of church planning and other denominations, what are conversations outside the PCA are encouraging and helpful to you? Before I answer that, let me just double down on what uh, something Chris said, because it just struck a chord with me when he was answering Chris's question about, um, you know, words to se- seminary students. And Chris said, start planting now and how he, how he explained what he meant by that. I said, boy, I wish somebody had said that to me in seminary. Mm. Uh, because it sets a framework for how you think about even just the pastorate, you know? And so anyway, that's just a plug to say, yeah. listen to Chris Vogel. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll do this, inter- to, to, you know, kind of internally and externally in answering your question. First, when sure. I say internally, I mean internal to mission to North America. So the one of the things that really is encouraging to me, now Murray has already spoken uh, about kind of the diversity of the ministries that uh, Mission to North America has in service to our, our denominations, um, Kingdom Mission, and, and 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 Church Health. But particularly as we talk to our ministry directors and coordinators, and the way they're thinking about um, engaging in the work of church planting and coming alongside, uh, particularly our ethnic uh, minority coordinators and directors who are focused, you know, um, are are Charles McKnight and African-American ministries and the Center for African-American Church Planting and the need to create cohorts to encourage and equip uh, the next generation of African-American pastors and planters in the PCA or Hernando Signs and Hispanic American ministries and our Korean American ministries and Native American ministries, all these conversations are all, there are lots of robust conversations around how are we engaging and equipping in particular ways um, ethnic minority communities for um, church planting denominationally and not even uh, neglect uh, and forget about Alan Foster, who has a focus here on, on rural church planting. Again, the encouraging thing is we recognize that we will have to be equipping and praying and pursuing church planting in every community, in every space, right? So it's not just one of urban or suburban or big city, right? But, but it is literally um, every place where the Lord gives us opportunity to be, that we're mm. thinking about and engaging church planting. And so that's, that um, there's encouraging conversation happening. And then as we bring people together for, for conversation, last fall, we had our first church planting summit 
was hosted by a covenant seminary. We bought church planting network leaders, church planters, aspiring church planters, ministry leaders, men and women together for engaging conversation on best practices and what will it take for us to move forward in terms of church planting as a denomination. It's extremely encouraging. Um, when it comes to kind of externally outside of the PCA, yep, I've got some engagement in other denominational contexts. And I, I am really like the Lord is at work. <laughs> The Lord yeah. is at work, yeah. um, and he is growing a heart for the faithful missional engagement of the gospel through church planting in, in various sectors. I was at a conference uh, last fall called the Mosaics Conference, which is really focused on multi-ethnic church, uh, church growth and church planting. But to be in that space with people from um, other denominations and who are passionate about the gospel to be sharing the stage, you know, with, um, you know, Pentecostal charismatic brothers and sisters who, yep, we're going to have differences in terms of, you know, uh, a theological emphases, but to see the heart of the Lord at, at work saying this, we have got to demonstrate a particular unity as God's people moving forward in this, uh, in this hemisphere um, for, for the gospel. And um, that excites me, right? Because we know uh, clearly, right? The kingdom is, and the church is, is bigger than the, the branch of it in which we serve, right? And so right. Uh, we, we are excited when we see the Lord raising up and uh, giving up passionate heart for this um, uh, among others as well. I think we, I think at this point, I think maybe moving into some, I mean, all of y'all have, have been involved in church planning in your past before coming on MA and kind of move into some practical things about your own experience in church planting and, and how you could encourage uh, our listeners in that regard. And so uh, maybe you could share, you know, any of y'all, whatever kind of comes to your heart and mind, what is one thing that you've learned from planting that you would want planners, uh, you know, to know? Uh, and, and for that matter, what you would want church planners to know that you've learned from it, and that maybe you also think you would want established pastors, uh, church pastors, to, to know about church planning as well, about their role, their place, ways that they can understand, see, and engage church planning as well. I, I know for me, uh, really almost all my life has been a part of a plant or being a, a planter, and then once planting, pastor for 26 years, always involved in planting. And if there's one thing that that just does stand out is it's hard. It's not easy. <laughs> and that's okay. Um, you know, it, it lacks specificity. It, it, yeah. it, it there, there aren't boundaries in those convenient boxes that we can just check off. There aren't the programs. Everything seems tentative. Um, and there's rejection and rejection is tough, but there is a joy in it that is hard to contain when you see a, a, a new work having an effect in the community, yeah. having, seeing lives transformed. And then, you know, so moving from planting and for me, the, the challenge was the lack of community for me. 
again, that kind of filled in why my interest with with next gen and pastoral cohorts, not just preparing for ministry, but those in ministry. Uh, and that was the hard thing. And so it's really encouraging planters. Again, as I said before, you're not alone. Don't act like you are. Don't think that you are. Figure out where are you going to get filled and, in, and encouraged. Because then when I talk to established pastors, yeah, it's hard. It's the same <laughs> all over again, sometimes because there's too much specificity. There are too many boundaries. It mm -hmm. seems like everything's been calcified. You're just switching problems, but you're also also have have other aspects uh, of joy and sorrow that's going to be there. And I always say the planter needs to learn what it means to bring vitality into a, into a church plant the about an hour and a half after the first service. Um, I, you know, I'll give you an hour and a half. Sit there and relish, enjoy it. That's wonderful. Mm -hmm. Start thinking about vitality that's ongoing. Uh, that's mm -hmm. going to be more than just the plant, the established plant, uh, pastor. Think about planting. And I don't mean leaving your church to plant. Maybe God's calling you to that. Maybe it's being a parent of a church plant. That could be good. Maybe just, you know, being a patron, helping support plant. That's good. But bring that planting thinking into your, your own church, uh, helping the congregation to see the beauty of, of what God is doing. Yeah, that's helpful. I, I'd, I'd put one plug in here as well. You talk about the sometimes the isolation and loneliness that comes with church planting. Uh, Bentry is a, a ministry in the in, in part of the M&A as well that in the early stages of church planting, when I was actually hired on to, to be the church planner, the, the guys that were my references actually told the committee, look, he can plan, he can do all that kind of stuff. We, we recommend him, but we're worried about him being over there and isolated. He's a people person. He loves to do things in, you know, in, in kind of consensus and loves to gather people. And, you know, he needs relationship himself. I was grateful for their kind of words to the committee. And so the committee sought out for the first several years to be very intentional about checking in and caring for me well. Um, I was very thankful for that. But as the church has continued on, some of that kind of ongoing care, maybe kind of, you know, drawing back some, uh, found Bentry has been an enormous help. It's a um, ministry that has a couple of retreats a year for pastors, pastors' wives periodically in ministry that they do through an ongoing, you know, kind of ongoing conversation through uh, through a group serve and things of that nature that really has been a, an enormous uh, help to me and I'm grateful for it. So encouraged by that. Murray, what would you, what would you share by way of some experience? I think that this goes for not just church planners, but for pastors of established churches as well. It's, it's the reality that God is with you and meets you in your fears. I don't think this is a, that's a particular surprise or something that's novel to say, but I think it's important to acknowledge my, my biggest fear is the fear of failure. And so if you combine the cocktail of a fear of failure and a, and a startup church plant, that's a recipe for disaster, right? That's right. Yeah. And so what I had to learn the hard way is that the good news is that I'm already a failure. Uh, mm. That's what the gospel says. I've already failed. And the better news is that God has already won. Yeah. And he delights to use broken, repentant people because he gets all the glory from using failures. Yeah. So, you know, practically, what does that mean? It means lean into the fact that uh, God uses nobodies so that, so that he can get glory for himself. I think it also means surround yourself with friends because pastoral ministry can be lonely, whether church planting or planting an established church, surround yourself with those who will love you and support you and point you to 
the only person who was ever a somebody. Murray, you told a story that was uniquely kind of helpful for me and this really kind of challenged me as I've walked through this. You just talked about being at a time where you were you were so focused on trying to make this thing succeed and, and go and focused on trying to make the, the church plant succeed and, and be something, that fear of failure kind of driving so much. And I think you were walking on the beach at one, you know, night playing through that. And you just told the story of just realizing it just wasn't, a, wasn't about you and you had, you had lost sight of the people that you've been called to serve and to minister to. And Oh yeah. I, I can remember at some stage uh, between year one and two without intention I had somehow made an object out of collecting people. I mean, mm. I never would have said it at the time, but now reflecting back on it, I, I was obsessed with collecting people because, well, I'm afraid of failure. And two, the, the thing has got to get going. And on a family beach trip with my youngest uh, daughter, who would have been gracious, maybe three at the time, walking along the beach with uh, my dad, her granddad, and, and, and myself with one of those short crab nets, you know, mm -hmm. she told me, hey, daddy, find a crab. So we're, we're walking along three steps later, daddy, find a crab. Four or five steps later, daddy, find a crab. And I say, honey, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm looking for crabs, but I can't produce them. She said, well, fine, give it the net to Papa. He can, <laughs> you know, he can find them. And so, you know, four or five steps later, Papa, find a crab. You know, I'm trying, honey. Seven steps later, Papa, find a crab. I, I, I'm trying, honey. Okay, give the net back to Daddy, you know. <laughs> so, you know, four or five iterations of that. And, uh, and at one stage, Papa and Ella were 15 yards ahead, uh, her demanding crabs and him unable to produce them. It, it, it struck me that that was exactly how I was treating people. Mm. Murray, get a person, Murray, get a person, Murray, get a person. Well, that's not my job. You know, it's, it's the Lord's church. It's his job to build his church. Now, if I encounter a crab on the beach for my daughter, I will dive for it. Even <laughs> if I see someone that, that the Lord brings into my life, I pursue them and maybe even dive for them, you know, mm -hmm. but, but I can't produce people. And, um, that's not my church. The Lord will build his church and, and, and we, we just get to be a part of it. Yeah, I, I am actually just going to continue what Murray uh, just said at the end there, the, the encouragement for, uh, for planters is just what he said. Like when Jesus says, I will build my church, it's not just the church capital C, it's also every particular church. Right. in every mm -hmm. particular place. Mm -hmm. He's the he's the builder. And what that means and what that has meant what that meant for me practically is coming to this realization that he is the ultimate determiner of what this expression of his church is going to look like in terms of the people who are gathered there. And so, you know, I I started out and we all start out, right? We've got a vision for, you know, this is what I'm after. This is my ministry passion. And for me, as I've written in plenty of places, the, uh, a vision to see beautiful community come to fruition, unity and diversity, love of neighbor across line of deep, lines of deep difference in Jesus' name, to see the reconciling 
power of Christ at work in and through the ministry of the gospel. And, you know, I had a certain vision on how that was going to play out when we planted City of Hope Presbyterian Church. And, um, you know, you know, you're a few years in and you look around and say, wait a second, like, oh, you know, I've, you know, I come out of African-American experience and, you know, I look around and say, well, wait, well, most of the, most of the Black people at our church are actually not African-Americans, but are second generation West African immigrants who are, mm-hmm. who are here, right? Mm-hmm. Like that had to, that, that was a reframing. And so now I'm actually learning, what is it like to minister and engage cross-culturally? How am I learning? There's a difference between the African-American experience and the African experience uh, as uh, coming uh, as, uh, as an immigrant community. Um, and it was beautiful, right? But that, that was not, like, I, could, I didn't draw that out. That's not, that's the Lord. And then not only that, right? So not just the, the makeup of it demographically and who God puts in your path, um, but the size of it, mm-hmm. right? You know, we get to, we, we get this expectation that, you know, unless I'm at X number, you know, I'm not really uh, successful. Right. And that's just, man, it's, man, it's just not up to you. Mm-hmm. It just really isn't, you know? Um, and so, you, you know, I've been, I came into the PCA in formally in 2002. So this is 21 years now, right? Mm-hmm. And I came into the PCA and church plant. I have, you know, 21 years in, and I've never been a member of uh, or a part of a PCA church that owns its own building. Right? <laughs> you know, uh, came into a PCA church plant in a meeting in elementary school, planted a PCA church that uh, that still literally meets in a community center. I'm a part of a PCA church now that rents from a <laughs> from a church. Right. Like, you know, that what are our expectations mm-hmm. about what this call looks like and what mm-hmm. we think, quote unquote, success is in church planting you got to calibrate those in in, based on what god says in his word and based on our dependency on him to build his church and our response to what he's doing right yeah you guys have the distinct advantage of as murray said being on not the ground level but higher up in the building and you get to get a real beautiful, in my opinion, panoramic view of planting efforts in our denomination. Chris, what are some planting, you know, let's be an encouragement to those that are listening. Let's be an encouragement to those who are planting or maybe thinking about church planting, whether in our denomination or others, what are some successes that you would love to share? That's a hard one to answer because to name one is to ignore five, to name Mm. five is to ignore 50. Um, And then we also have to define uh, sometimes what we mean by successes. Talk about this at another point, but I have never met a church plant failure. Uh, Aside from moral, ethical, uh, someone just heart-hardened the gospel, taking those aside, but anyone that has engaged in planting with, in the context of faith repentance, looking to the Lord of the harvest, if it's if he plants and it closes in three years, it's not a failure, because 
how many times have they sat with somebody, uh, you know, having coffee with a father whose wife uh, or a husband whose wife just walked out on him and uh, his life's a mess and you're sharing the gospel and he hears the gospel, he repents and he turns to Christ. Mm-hmm. You, you have not failed. You've succeeded. So, yeah, I always want to be careful when we talk about successes, what it looks like uh, is going to be different. It's not always going to be the, we often talk about the the, the uh, nickels, noses, and noise as a measure of success. We know that's not not true. I, I guess I would just, and to be a little uh, self-focused here, uh, I, I because it's much more in front of my face, it's what I see going on in Wisconsin. You know, and again, it's it's Luis who's planting uh, a Hispanic church in in Waukesha, Wisconsin, uh, first generation Spanish speaking, and it's going a lot slower than he really was hoping it would. It usually does, mm-hmm. but he hangs out in the laundromat. He does his his wash at home and then brings it the laundromat to dry, just so he can hang out in the laundromat. People are waiting for things to wash. And he just starts up conversations. He shares the gospel. Uh, he, telling the story of being invited into a home um, where they're, they just moved up from, uh, I think, Venezuela and involved in a cult uh, and are hearing the gospel the first time and say, come back. Our, our cousin's coming up in a week. We want them to hear this too. And th- those types of successes. Uh, we have two planters in Eau Claire who are kind of team planting the one, the, the lead guy is going to get the first charge started. The other one then will start the other, but they have been on the field, I think for about six weeks, they already had three young men come up to them from, uh, you know, an hour to the North, half hour to the South saying, we've always felt wanted to be uh, a pastor. Can we come and, and learn from you? Mm-hmm. And can we do seminary while we're, we're there at the church plant? Mm-hmm. So he, wow. he's got three interns and they haven't started yet. Uh, <laughs> you know, it's just like, That's you great. can't script it. Um, yeah. You can't, can't make that, that happen. Um, and again, other just a success that just having seen over the last years, we just had an ordination on Sunday, uh, this past Sunday of a fellow who's going to be, he's going to be an army chaplain. He's come through the Wisconsin program, so we put him through seminary, but he's been serving as an intern in an um, urban uh, context, inner city church, uh, Dan Quackalar, the planter there. And he did what he was told and we were told shouldn't be done. Don't send this guy. It looks like he just got off a Harley, big old white guy with a beard to go in the inner city of Milwaukee and plant a church. It won't work. And in four years, they particularized mm-hmm. with mm-hmm. with local leaders that he raised up and or the Lord raised up through him. And just being there uh, for that ordination service going, you know, this is the Lord's hand, you know. And, and again, it's nothing that you can look back and go, wow, this church is huge. It's blossoming. It's always going to have a certain struggle to it. The context is in, and that's okay. Because in that struggle, the rest of us can come alongside, encourage, support, pray, and to see uh, they're, they're going to be multiplying. And all these contexts, that opportunity is, is great. So, I, you know, and again, I see that replicated elsewhere. Uh, other successes, one I would just, other one I would mention was with a group of uh, Mandarin-speaking pastors down in South Florida the other week, Tony Wang is uh, City Lights uh, Network to start planting Mandarin-speaking churches. He's been at down in South Florida. He's looking to go out to Irvine, California. We have no Mandarin-speaking congregations on the West Coast. And I 
believe he said in Irvine alone, 50,000 um, uh, have immigrated from China into mm. that area. Wow. It is uh, such an opportunity. The people are mm. coming in droves, coming out of fear from where they've been, mm. coming here to America, looking for an opportunity and an opportunity to be able to share the gospel. So those are just some of the exciting successes I've seen. Yeah, I mean, I there are just tons of stories of God's faithfulness, and Chris has mentioned a, a few of them. I guess I would just say a couple of things. One that I uh, that I have mentioned uh, earlier is that there is a real spirit of collaboration and and something that that we talk about often a spirit of it's going to take all of us and that that attitude and that um mindset is really begin to beginning to permeate and even hopefully saturate our conversations such that we see missional engagement moving moving forward you know i i, I think the general thing that i would that I would say in terms of encouragement for planters is that uh, you're not alone. And I've been spending a lot of time in Luke chapter 10 when the 72 return and they're really excited and they say, you know, Lord, even the demons were subject to us. And then they tack on, you know, the real spiritual, Oh, in your name, of course. <laughs> um, and um, then, you know, the Lord, Jesus tells them why they're subject because uh, all authority has been given to him and he, mm. and he is, he's given it to them. And he says, nevertheless, don't rejoice in those things that the demons are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. And so I would, I would say the real success story friends isn't whether things are going well for you or poorly in your mind for you but that the but that the lord has your name written uh in heaven the more we tell that good news the more the lord i think will mold our hearts and minds to focus on the task that he has for us today rather than being worried about what things are going to look like compared compared to others yeah, this is um, more local uh, in terms of quote unquote success, successes in church planting, but just evidence of how the Lord can work and it, things be exponentially beyond what we would imagine or anticipate. I was uh, last weekend down in Jackson, Mississippi for uh, speaking and preaching for the 18th anniversary of Redeemer Presbyterian Church in Jackson, a, um, a multiracial, cross-cultural church that was uh, planted out of what was had been Trinity Presbyterian Church there. They brought in uh, Mike Campbell, African-American pastor, PCA pastor, to plant that church. And here it is 18 years later, the you know, I used to listen to uh, Mike Campbell's sermons when I was planting, you know, for encouragement, somebody preaching to me. And through that ministry, um, Albert McGowan came and started um, RUF, Reform University Fellowship, our 
PCA's campus ministry at Jackson State University is the first RUF at a historically black college and university. Uh, and so he started that ministry. He was connected to Redeemer. That RUF grew uh, exponentially at, uh, at Jackson State. Those students found home at Redeemer Presbyterian Church, transitioned several years ago, 2016. Uh, Mike left uh, to go back to, to, to Miami, Florida, and Elbert became the senior pastor. Um, of that church. And Cyril Chavis took over as the campus minister for RUF at Jackson State. Now, 10 years ago, I'm overlapping. Let me go back. 10 years ago, Russ Whitfield planted Grace Mosaic Church in Washington, D.C. That is a church I currently am blessed to attend with my family. Russ has this vision for ministry here in Washington, D.C. And guess what? We have an HBCU in Washington, D.C. as well, Howard University, yeah. right? Yeah. And so he goes and, and gets Cyril to come to Howard and start an HBCU, uh, start an RUF at Howard University just um, three, maybe four years ago. Now I can't, pre-pandemic, I just, you know, whatever. But it's just, right? <laughs> <laughs> recent years. Mm -hmm. Jackson State is still going. Another <laughs> campus minister is there, right? So here, here's this connection, right? Grace Mosaic is 10 years old. So Redeemer is 18 years old. Grace Mosaic is 10 years old. Now H, now Howard University, RUF, is, is growing exposed. I got these Howard University students who will come over to, to the house. We've got multiple interns. Chris Reed, another African-American teaching other was just ordained the first assistant campus minister serving at Howard University. We've got Jason Francoeur, African-American pastoral intern, um, an intern at RUF Howard. We have uh, two sisters serving uh, at, at Howard in internships, all because, oh, we've got this church here as well that is a place for these students to find community. So when Mike Campbell, said, yes, I will come mm -hmm. and I will be the planting pastor for Redeemer Presbyterian Church in Jackson, Mississippi. He had, this was nowhere, this kind of exponential <laughs> ministry growth that now there's a part of a, actually a robust movement of starting RUF campus ministries at historically black colleges and universities that started at Jackson State. We're seeing fruit of it here at Howard University in Washington, D.C., connected to church plants, all of it. So, you know, I mean, what can right? the Lord can do? He the Lord sits in heaven and he does as he pleases. <laughs> right. Yeah. 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 And we yes. get to delight in his work. Yes. Yes. Erwin, footnotes to what you just said, and I'll toot Josh Kine's horn on this one. Um, so we were Madison Heights in terms of planting the church, we were about a year and a half behind Redeemer in the Jackson area. Josh went to seminary with Elbert yep. and told me, uh, introduced me to Elbert and told me uh, and the elders of the church about what they were going to do at Jackson State. And so actually, uh, Madison Heights, thanks to Josh, was the first church to support RUF at, at Jackson State. Uh, at now, that. other churches were having discussions 
about supporting it, but because we're a church plant and everything's so streamlined, we pulled the trigger pretty fast to help mm. Elbert. Uh, so, and then secondly, Mike Campbell, when we were forming the Mid-South Church Planning Network, Mike Campbell's the one that came to me and said, I wish you would pray about leaving Madison Heights to start the Church Planning Network. He was wow. the one that said, you really should pray about that and consider that. Um, yeah, I'd, I'd say the same. Mike was a huge uh, gift to me, um, kind of coming from seminary into church planting. I had some hurdles to cross that he helped me cross and was gracious and, and caring for me so well, even though I was uh, not at his church, I was just part of the presbytery. He was, uh, he was a pastor to me and then Albert, a dear mm. friend and seminary with him as we did uh, a lot together. And so grateful this guy's and just so fun to see those connections. Sometimes you don't always get to see how the Lord is right. at work and to see you make those connections this many years later to see uh, the Lord is at work and and maybe one thing we could do to kind of finish our time, everybody's got to go about their uh, separate ways, a lot to, to be done, but maybe just rapid fire, uh, quick, you know, one, one liner kind of quick encouragements for planners. As we think about those successes, those things are just exciting things to think about the Lord doing. And there's a lot of guys that are in the hard places right now or hard spaces in ministry. Uh, we've gone through some really, you know, monumentally difficult times over the past couple of years with health of my wife and uh, currently with my daughter and, and different things. It seems like church planners are telling stories everywhere. Bent Tree, when I went this past October and the year before, just amazing stories of, of challenges on the field. Uh, when the Lord is on the move, you can also understand the enemy uh, as it worked to, to squelch and to squander um, uh, that work. And so maybe just some quick rapid fire to close out our time together of just just one quick encouragement you would have. The one thing you would say to church planners today that would help encourage them right now if they're in that hard spot? Yeah, I, I would say if you're not in a hard spot, you're not pastoring, you're not planting. Uh, I haven't met a farmer without calluses and scars from, from doing, doing hard labor. Those are the places in which the Lord meets us in a very special and meaningful way. Those are places where faith and repentance is, is what we're, we're called to be and to do. And so if you're in a hard spot, it's hard to say, now rejoice in it. But it is this place where you have to go to the Lord and say, where, where can I be refreshed? What can I do? And that's, again, back to that phrase, you're not alone. So if you're in a hard spot, seek out places, people, in which you can be revived. I'd say uh, it's worth it. You will see God move in the planting of a new church in ways that you might not in an established church to bring a church out of nothing. So it's worth it. The only thing I'll add is this is just true in God's economy. Nothing is wasted. Nothing is wasted. You, you, you may not know until glory what uh, it, this hardship is producing <laughs> for the sake of your good, the glory of Christ and his kingdom, but it's not wasted. And so that, there's, a, there's encouragement even, uh, even in that. And thank you for joining our podcast. You are a blessing to me and to Josh and to this denomination. Thankful for your friendship. I'm thankful for all that you do for the PCA and for church multiplication in general. And I will remember to pray for you and pray that the Lord would use you in a mighty way for his glory and the furtherance of his kingdom. 
Thank you. It's good to be with you, brothers, today. Thank you, guys. I know it was a little long. I appreciate y'all's time. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks for having us. That's the last word for now. Thanks to you for joining us and listening today. You can reach us with comments or questions on Twitter or Facebook at Five Points Planting or by email at reformedplanting at gmail.com. See y'all next time. Five Points Church Planting is a member of the Society of Reformed Podcasters.